We've got a friend in us. This is episode 32, Castaway, from the year 2000. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us tonight, returning guest, returning champion, Mr. Zach Dazon. Hello, Zach. Hello. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us on this deserted island to talk about Castaway. Thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite movies I've seen so far. Wow. Okay, okay, okay. Now, this is a movie that I saw, I think... I'm pretty sure I saw it at home when it came out. And for some reason, the only things I remembered were Wilson, because everybody, who could forget Wilson? Right. And number two, the thing about the Titans at the end, so I was like, oh, I like football. <laughs> and so literally all I remembered about this movie. So, Mike, if people out there have not seen Castaway or do not know what it's about, even though I feel like even if you haven't seen this movie, you're like, oh, yeah, Tom Hanks on a deserted island. Please let people know what Castaway is about. Hanks plays Chuck Nolan, who works for FedEx, Federal Express, and he's uh, he's very obsessed with being on time. And on Christmas, he is called away and he has to go to work and he gets on a plane and there's a big accident. They crash in the ocean and he gets stranded on an island all by himself. He's marooned, cast away on a deserted island. Basically, we follow for the first hour the course of him in his early days on the island. And then we jump four years later to where we see uh, him as he has adapted to life on the island. He has changed physically very much. It seems like he's about to maybe lose his mind when finally... Salvation, maybe, when a piece of a portageon washes up on shore and he's able to sort of create a sail for his boat and figure out when the tides come in and manages to escape the island with his only friend, Wilson the Volleyball. He is picked up by a giant ocean liner and he is brought back to civilization. He is hoping to go back to his girlfriend, played by Helen Hunt. However, in the course of four years, he has been presumed dead and she has moved on and married and had children. He goes and talks to her. They sort of have a moment and reconcile and he moves on. And then he goes and returns the one package that he held on to this entire time out in the middle of nowhere, the crossroads, if you will, of his life in America. And uh, that's where the movie ends, basically, where he is trying to decide which direction to go with the rest of his life. Good luck, cowboy. A couple little bits of trivia I thought were very interesting before we get into this. So if you remember, there was a Super Bowl commercial like a couple years later, I think it was like 2003, where that woman was there and he he delivers, he goes back to the house and he's like, hey, what was in that package? And she says, oh, you know, just a satellite phone, GPS locator, fishing rod, water purifier, and some seeds, you know, just silly stuff. Also, Tom Hanks has been asked how he would, like how he thinks, like what does he do after the movie ends? And he says he turned around, he went back and made babies with that lady. Um, is that Julianne Moore? No, no, it's not. No. It is Larry White as Bettina, and okay. she unfortunately passed away of cancer not too oh, no. long after this movie. I think, I think maybe like a 2012-ish something. Like not, you know, she was like 52. I'll be honest. In the opening, she has the the mask on, and her voice sounded like her. And at the end, I, I kind of was not looking at the screen, so I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was like, maybe that was Julianne Moore, maybe not. Oh right, I forgot that she was in the opening. Yeah, but yes, no, it's not Julianne Moore. But yeah, so those are some interesting things about like you know kind of where we wind up. I feel like, and I sort of make this joke a lot, Mike. I feel that when I recap the Tom Cruise movies over on Cruise Club, it's like okay, so it's a Mission Impossible movie, there's all these things to save the world. Like, he's got to do this, he's got to do this. There's all these different pieces. You're like, Hanks gets trapped on an island, he gets off the island, returns to life. It's like, oh, okay, cool. So I just think it's funny that once again, you know, you get blessed with a uh, a simple but still a good movie. So... I know. How many times is it just like Hanks falls in love for like two hours? Seemingly every movie that we do. Simple, Tom. All right. So, Zach, you said this is one of your favorite movies that you've done so far on one of our podcasts. I'm so glad that after a string of 
you know, hit or misses that we could we could have gotten you a good movie. But if you had to pick, what's your favorite moment, favorite part? You know, some favorite scenes or lines or characters. What's your favorite part of Castaway? Oh, I mean, the whole thing is very charming. I will say that plane crash scene is a fucking nightmare. Like, it, like as in, it's really well done, and it's just like and watching it, I was just like actually sweating. Everything except for the whole like crashing and he falls backwards thing that was impossible. And I just love all like the little like creative ways he uh he uses things on the island i found it very like i enjoyed reading the martian and uh you know for the same reason and sure yeah it's just kind of funny that like i i very much get off on that creative uses of equipment like turning the uh the ice skate into an axe yes i love that yeah that plane crash sequence i remember first, i've only seen this movie twice now and i remember the first time watching it that was terrifying to me because <laughs> i just have a fear of being stranded out in the ocean like that no matter you mm-hmm. know no matter what like it's just irrational but there it is right on the screen and uh and zemeckis just is like at this point you know He's like a master of special effects and stuff. And I kind of had this conversation with Dan over on my show, Back to the Future. And it's like in this movie, he's really done a great job of just like getting it out of his system with this amazing plane crash. And then for the rest of the movie, we're just going to be as like bare bones as possible. And it's just great how he's able to sort of balance uh, the two different forms of filmmaking. He's just such a, so good in this movie. Yeah, there's maybe only one shot or one scene for the rest of the movie that's not like practical. And it, it might even still be, but like that one scene where he's reaching for the 30 feet of rope the noose like it feels like that might be a little bit of computer trickery but like other than that this is just like tom hanks on an island or i think they also shot a bunch of this like in la or california somewhere but you know this is just a man and a camera and another man right so like it's it's just good old-fashioned basic filmmaking and it's great i also do want to say though zach you you pointed out that you you know in terms of his creativity and his just you know his acting on screen it's always tough i think in a movie like this where it's just basically one man by himself for most of the movie or you know or one woman like we got sandra bullock in gravity for most of it or we got robert redford in all is lost there's a couple of these movies uh ryan reynolds and buried like tom hardy in lock i keep saying i keep going (laughs) i keep going to start my next part of my sentence i'm like another example another example another example (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna watch all these movies i think you need at the core of one of those movies and this is not a secret someone who's very compelling and watchable and likable and a good actor to make sure that you're like oh yeah i i get what's going on here and like i'm willing to follow i'm willing to stare at this guy for an hour 40 when there's nothing else happening on screen right mm. i think this is one of our better movies that we've done so far mike for mm-hmm. the memories but in terms of awards he got an Oscar for Best Sound nominee. It did not win. He was nominated for Best Actor. He did not win. He won the Golden Globe for Best Actor. But like, other than that, this movie didn't get any recognition. I'm not saying that that's an indicator of, you know, that mm-hmm. it's not good. But I was just like, it feels like there's so much special stuff going on here. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, wait, that that's it? Of course not. It, it holds up. And nothing that wins Oscars ever holds up. That's an interesting point, though, because like, I, I think like you might be right. I don't know what else it was up against that year, but I'm surprised because of, you know, I just can't remember... I didn't see this in theaters, but I remember hearing at the time, like a big draw was, oh, Hanks lost all this weight. Like Hanks went through this huge transformation. Like Hanks looks like he was actually stranded on an island for four years and all this. Mm-hmm. And they stopped photography so that he could like lose weight and all this kind of thing. They shot a whole other movie in between. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, this is, so this is what happened. Yeah. So they shot the beginning part. They had Tom Hanks gain a bunch of weight to sort of become like middle-aged, puffy man, whatever. And then they took almost a full year off. Zemeckis went and, and shot 
shot What Lies Beneath, that Harrison Ford movie, I think. Oh, okay. Then they came back and they gave him time to, I think, lose 50 pounds and grow out his hair because all that's Mm. actually his hair. And so, yeah, they had a whole movie in between where, from what I read, the same crew that made this movie went and just made that other movie. So it was almost like, hey, we're going to do half of Castaway, then we're going to do all of this other movie, and then we're going to do this other half of Castaway. So here's the next, like, 16 months or whatever of your life. Let's go do this. That's Mm. cool. Which is really cool, yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, just going to your sort of point about, like, the character and his ingenuity and all that kind of stuff, like, I think this is one of the prime moments where I'm watching a movie and I'm going, like, this is this must be Tom Hanks. Like, he's not playing. Like, he's being in this movie, I feel. Because most of the time, like, the movies you mentioned, Joey, and stuff, like, even Redford in his boat, right? Like, he's trained to know what to do in a crisis and has, like, all this stuff to help. Like, most of the time in these kinds of movies, like, you're dealing with a survivalist or someone who has skills. And this guy is truly like not that guy well so there is one thing that i did not catch when i was watching it i only saw it in trivia is that when they're at christmas in the beginning and they're like sort of the cameras going around the office as they're on the couch or whatever there is a certificate of completion for like a boating course so he had a little (laughs) bit of amateur boating but yeah he's not like a shipsman that's you know going out there like he is basically one of us but like with you know six weeks of lessons but he has a little bit which i think is a nice little touch that i didn't know but it's it's cool that it's in there yeah it's like just that's like that's why i think like while i'm watching him i'm like captivated like it's of course it's more than just hanks but this character is drawing me i mean like especially the first time i mean i know he's gonna make it but it's like watching titanic or something where it's like you know that he gets off but it's like i don't feel like he's gonna get off or you know Mm -hmm. like it just like i keep having that feeling of like he's not gonna make it because he's just not like capable or whatever and everything but like yeah he's got like just the right amount of all of that and it's just more interesting i think watching a guy like that try and figure it out as opposed to someone who knows what to do trying to like work it out or something yeah so before we get to your favorite part, Mike, I did look up the Oscars that year. So it was the year of Gladiator and Traffic. So Gladiator won Best Picture. Soderbergh won Best Director for Traffic. Also, Russell Crowe won Best Actor for Gladiator. I do want to point out, though, that uh, Best Actress in the Leading Role was what I've said on the podcast when we did that episode and what I still think is probably true today. Maybe the best acting performance I've ever seen is Julia Roberts in Aaron Brockovich. So that's a strong year at the Oscars. You know, I tend to agree with Zach's half-joke, half-insightful Uh, critique of the Oscars, but, you know, there's some good movies that held up that year, that the other nominees in the Best Actor in Leading Role, so we had Russell Crowe win, Ed Harris in Pollock, Jeffrey Rush in Quills, and Javier Bardem in Before Night Falls. So I haven't seen three of those movies, but uh, you know, you can't say that Russell Crowe and Gladiator is not good, right? I haven't seen that forever, but I I loved Gladiator back in the day, so it deserves a rewatch, I think. Yeah. All right, Mike, so you mentioned you you heaped a little bit of praise on this movie. What is your favorite part of Castaway? Man, it's interesting how, like, into this movie I got watching it again this time, but (laughs) I, I, I really love the way that Zemeckis sets up everything before he gets uh before he's alone like it's so full of life and so hectic and so nat like it's so naturalistic like it almost feels like a robert altman film like i don't know what that if that means anything but like i'm almost like watching uh someone follow a guy around with a video camera you know it just feels like so so real and then like he gets to the island and it's just boom it's just that silence and the waves and you know the jungle sounds and and it's just all like I think maybe like, I don't know if it's sound design or what, but just, I love the way that he's able to like, just create this cacophony of life sounds. And then like, he's, it's like the urban 
modern world and then he gets to the island and it's like this completely different soundscape going on with that like it really messed with me uh this time and even vice versa like when he gets back to the real world it's quieter but you start picking up on like all of the uh like background noises and stuff like even if it's just i feel like a coffee pot percolating or something like you're gonna hear it more or someone opening a door like it's just all enhanced a little bit extra and so, so i mean it's kind of weird to say i wanted to go with like that cut of hanks's transformation because i mean everything i just like a lot about this movie but i just wanted to shout that out like in particular and in, in case people might not understand like people might not like realize that's happening like it, it felt very sort of like underneath like subconsciously like he's building this world and then he's going to take it all away and i think he did a great job of doing that you know one thing i do want to piggyback off that which is something that i noticed but didn't realize the full extent of which in terms of the sound is that there's no score at all until he's on the raft getting away and then the score comes in and like it swells it's like oh boy and apparently it's all variations on a theme and like the full song the full version is in the closing credits but i was just like when we do the nominations at the, the, the awards at the end of the show and i'm always trying to think like do i remember the score was the score memorable and then like the score comes in here i'm like oh wow like this is great but like i didn't really process because i felt like it was more my oh i just didn't notice it you know what i mean like it was working yeah. as part of the whole but here it was like oh no like this is intentionally that he's not really like it's not a movie kind of until almost to your point right like it's just a man being and then it becomes this movie this adventure once once he's off the island so i think that was really you know a, a nice touch by zemeckis oh wait you just you just okay now i've just developed a wild theory and i haven't had Go one for it. In, a, in a long time no 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 you've been you've been reining it in did the music cue and i mean it happens at the rescue right no the music cues when he's on the raft when he's actually like when he crests the wave i think it comes out oh, the first time so okay and then everything after that is the rescue maybe he died in the music cued and everything after that is just his journey to the end <laughs> it's one of my it doesn't hold as much Ooh. water as previous theories because i just thought of it but like i don't know it's something that uh, you could have fun at after a couple beers yeah, talking yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it does it could very much be a fantasy yeah even though it's kind of a depressing fantasy it's like i went back i don't know how to live in this world anymore the, the love of my life is married and she still loves me but we can't be together and you know joey what i was getting heavy vibes from uh watching this was lost like, oh yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. oh my gosh like those, like every theme in that show summed up in one movie <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kept waiting for a polar bear to show up in the beginning you know i don't know if this is my favorite part but one of my favorite things about this movie one of like the things that are really simple but smart directorial touches and storytelling touches really is everything it sets up in the first half an hour or whatever that pays off on the island like we have Hanks with a toothache. Hanks taking his shoes off on the plane. Very diehard. You know, Hanks, but it, but it's diehard to the point where like it's bad. Die, like it's, it's not bad diehard, but like <laughs> it's, it's not a good thing. It's just like, oh, I don't have shoes now. You know what I mean? It's, it's Hanks saying, you know, we live or die by the clock. We never allow ourselves the sin of losing time. Right. All these things that is establishing him and his situation and his circumstances that are going to then pay off later. Like, oh, he needs to. He doesn't have shoes, so he has to make do with the shoes. Oh, he's gonna have to take that tooth out at some point. Oh, he's got this like, you know, knack for time or whatever and i think that all of these things that it does so well in characterizing both the man and a circumstance over the first 25 30 minutes whatever the movie then comes to fruition over the next 90 and to pivot into what i don't like about this movie and we can get into this in a minute but like i feel like there's so much time after he gets off the island i was like how is there still 40 minutes of this movie like what is going on and i get it but like 
it's that like 30 minute mark to the two hour or an hour 48 or whatever it is when he actually gets off. The, it's like, this is the movie that people remember, right? And like everything that sets up early on and then pays off over the next hour plus, it's like, this is good storytelling. Yeah, it's interesting too, because they don't have a lot of time to set a lot of stuff up. But he literally has nothing but time, just like Dominic Toretto. And I think that was very smart. Like, I think that was a smart call, right? And because he's going to lose all that time and everything, it's going to be a big factor in his in his life. And he makes like, even makes the calendar and stuff and also like that four years later title like smash cut title card is like shocking it's like oh god yeah it's very end game but like it's true like if if they didn't have stuff to set up before he gets to the island like how would anything when he gets to the island really mean anything right exactly what would be the context of that it was just like oh it's so boring we're just going to see him go through the steps it'll seem so like coincidental but i also like that they like set stuff up on the island that pays off later on the island like his fishing and the and the coconuts and being able to like he doesn't end up wearing the shoes or all that kind of thing and and you're right like i think you know maybe i can just pivot a little into what i don't like about this movie is also sort of like what they do with the back half is i just wish he was on the island more to be quite honest like i wish we saw you know two years later then four years later same same um, and then sort of just wrap it up with him getting rescued. I don't necessarily need that conclusion area because they didn't really set anything up on the island for him to conclude. It was all sort of just layover, you know, airport pun there. But like, you know, the Helen Hunt watch, obviously that's, you know, or like the parcel that he never opens. Like he's not going to open that parcel anyway. So I don't really need, you know, to see where that goes. I think it's also very smart that they set up so much to happen afterwards and before because ultimately getting off a desert island is a thing of luck. No matter how much he did, no matter how much success he you know, he made it his journey getting off, he still had to be very lucky for a ship to show up. So ultimately it would be very unsatisfying to end with just like, oh, and then a ship came and he got off. I don't think that would be a very satisfying ending. So it has to be about more than just getting off an island. It has to be about resuming your life after you've lost time, which I think is very clever. But I don't know that we, I mean, like, I think we see that, but I also don't know that we get 40 minutes worth of that to an extent. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we, we he needs to make peace mm-hmm. with his coworker, with Nick Searcy. Also, I do want to point out just a real quick side note is that the guy that is with him in the beginning and with him at the end, this guy, Nick Searcy, the actor, I know him best as the, I don't know what his title is, basically he's the chief marshal or whatever in justified like he's basically timothy oliphant's boss and i just thought it was funny that like because he doesn't have hair in that show and he has hair in here it's like why do i know this voice but again like hair blindness i was like who is this man (laughs) oh shit okay so that's one and also at one point when the plane explodes what you were saying earlier zach that a great explosion scene someone says fire in the hold like they're you know underneath something blew up we say that you know they eventually mentioned later that it was some mismarked explosive chemical that exploded or whatever right and what i thought was funny not really funny coincidental is the show justify was based on the short story fire in the hole by elmore leonard and i was just like fire in the hole justified fire in the hold nick searcy it's like it's so close there i was just like oh yeah okay so going back to like the the closing 40 minutes i think that we get satisfaction there that you know he's he's sad that he missed that guy his friend's wife's death but like there's nothing he could do about it he keeps apologizing at the end which i think is Mm. probably what you would do like probably what i would do but like you can't be sorry it's like life dealt you the worst hand right like you can't be sorry that you weren't there it wasn't your fault but he's the most decent man in the world. Of course he apologizes. And so, you know, he makes peace with him. He makes peace with his ex-girlfriend, now married woman, Helen Hunt. But I feel like there's so much time that I don't know that we get really his acclamation. It's just him like, man, ice sure is weird, right? And I feel either, I think it's a, one of the, 
problems that I have a lot of the time, Mike, is either like we have too much or too little here. I think like either give me another half hour of him home or like cut out like 10 or 15 minutes here. Because I think this middle ground of time that we have, I'm liking it, but I feel like it's we're overstaying our welcome or we're not seeing enough. I could definitely watch another 30 minutes of unfrozen caveman lawyer Tom Hanks. Well, that's the thing is like I would take that too over, you know, more island is if like show him on the circuit more going on talk shows like the exhaust the mm. exhaustiveness of coming back from all of that and yeah give him like more publicity and show him on conan i don't know but like that's what <laughs> would happen right you know like he would almost he would be a minor celebrity for a while like it or not and then you can sort of show him in his isolation when he's backstage or otherwise and it would mean a lot more and instead of him just sort of getting in a truck and driving cross country to bring that parcel back like i i see it but i'm not really feeling it and i just want to feel it more and i think spending more time there yeah that would be cool should be a mini series everything should be a mini series but then it would be like an entire episode i guess right yeah which I i'm could... fine with like you <laughs> yeah, I, think, yeah. cool. <laughs> I think if you do this over eight episodes i think he comes back like at the end of six and then we get more time with him, uh, you know, year two, year three on the island. You know? I think basically like what we have here in episode seven, like what the, the last 40 minutes here is basically like the next last episode. And like episode eight is like him just sort of like, because we're like, okay, he's getting to what he's doing next. But we don't actually see what he does next. And I sort of get yeah, that as a yeah. storytelling thing, but like I want more. I don't know. Yeah, like because I feel like the crash has to happen in the middle of like almost the beginning of the first episode, right? Like it's and then you have five ish episodes of just, you know, maybe two. And then you have an, like, two years later and three years later. Then the last one is just eat it out it's crazy because like even consider i remember when this was considered like a long movie and i mean even if it doesn't have an extremely long running time i mean we just watched the green mile you all know all his movies hours. are so long yeah but like i can understand how people may think this feels longer because they're stranded on a desert island with a guy like this but i just feel like I feel like this is maybe kind of like, I don't want to say groundbreaking, but maybe like a little ahead of itself back when it came out because like it aged really, really fucking well. Uh, we're talking about now how we could use like a mini series out of it, you know, like a thing we want to bring back from the year 2000. Like it's just really weird, right? Like, it, and I think that's kind of just a testament to like how good it is. And I just was not expecting it coming back to be this good in this way. Like I thought I'd had fun with it, yeah. but I didn't actually think I'd be like emotionally invested in it. Yeah, I was kind of not dreading because dreading is too strong a word but I was not looking forward to watching this two and a half hour movie a movie that I had not seen in 20 years that I could basically describe kind of beat for beat like what you know what I mean like I knew mm -hmm. what this was going to be and I knew that he was going to be good in it but like I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to it kind of caught me off like this is not a movie that I would watch a lot but I think that this is some of the best acting we've seen from Hanks in the first 32 episodes we've done right because it's just it has to be because if it's not the movie doesn't work at all at all he's like so exposed and so able to be exposed i don't know there's one like okay so there's one moment in here where i knew i loved this movie and it's when he early on is trying to spear a fish and he's running on the beach and it's like a shot out of the opening of bosom buddies it's perfect like he's running across he's yelling like ha ah! he throws the spear he like does a mid spin like mid turn kind of thing and like falls like a prat fall kind of and i was like he's just doing everything you know and i think maybe because he's the only person there that it's like helping or something but like it seems like he's giving and getting to places that like we haven't seen him do before because of that you know i do want to make a couple bosom buddies connections number one i was very disappointed to see that he does not juggle in this movie like how does he not juggle he's got really? so much time he's got coconuts juggle <laughs> man he does pee though there's pee oh, yeah. has returned do you remember in bosom buddies his character name kip wilson oh wilson also 
his wife's name, Rita Wilson. Also on the subject of names, his name in this is Chuck Noland. C. Noland, C. Noland, so clever, clever, I guess. Oh, okay. You mentioned Rita Wilson there for a minute going down. You mentioned Wilson. Wilson, the volleyball, like product placement, you know, it made me think of volunteers and I'd love a Coke right about now and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, just watched yesterday. Can't believe Coke ever existed. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was around before the Beatles, but anyway, that's a whole other. <laughs> so was this movie like paid for by Federal Express or something is what I'm getting to. Like what happened with that? No. So I read something about it. I don't remember verbatim, but it was basically like they just did it and then i think fedex was worried because they're like we don't want to have one of our planes but they read the script and they realized that it was fine right like it just it was work and then it was such a boon to their brand applications to work at fedex like went up by 30 percent like people equated this movie i guess with wanting to work with fedex which i don't know (laughs) how you get that but that's that's the payoff here they come off very well they come off as people who really care about getting their package to you and like the fedex family yeah, a good family. No, yeah, but I mean, just like you never want your product to explode like midair and kill people in the in the movie. You know, <laughs> that's all I was thinking. <laughs> I do want to say though that you mentioned uh, the Coca Cola in Volunteers. There's Dr Pepper mentioned a couple times in this movie, and that's another Coca Cola product. That's what he drinks in Forrest Gump. I had about yep. twelve Dr Peppers. <laughs> Man, so I guess his whole career is just sponsored by Coca Cola. And well, that's another Robert <laughs> Zemeckis film too. So maybe that's another like product connection. Also, how are we almost you know half an hour into this podcast? We have not talked about the multitude of Elvis Presley songs in this movie. We've got that whole other podcast. Viva Pod Vegas, there are so many Elvis songs fitting perfectly at the end with possibly my favorite Elvis song, Return to Sender, which is the perfect you know, <laughs> FedEx movie or FedEx tied in, you know, mail package delivery, whatever song at the end of the movie. But there's Elvis like referenced or played four or five times in this movie. Yeah, I was surprised. I wondered if there was there some kind of resurgence going on about Elvis in the year 2000 or is just just, you know, Hanks and Zemeckis off screen sharing their love of Elvis and putting it on screen. So I don't know, but I love it. It's great. I love it. Too. I always figured yeah, whatever would be such a good uh, something that everyone in the audience could appreciate as like and even in Russia you know like something that just like how do you, what do you come up with a that, that's just such a crowd pleaser that no one's gonna be like Radiohead what speaking of that though so they have the joke I guess is a joke that he tells to Wilson about his dentist referring him to Jim Spaulding or whatever like the other brand they changed that to other things overseas because the Spaulding brand is not big in like Germany and some other countries so like it might even be Russia so like Zach your sort of throwaway joke there which is like they actually have had to change certain references in here because people wouldn't be like, what are you talking about? Wow. It's a it's a real Winter Soldier situation when you look at Steve Rogers' uh, little list of things he's missed over the last 70 years. <laughs> they like changed it by whatever region you live in. Right. They, in German, they called him Steve Volley, I think. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That joke, no. by the way, is one of the few things I remember from seeing it the first time. I'm just like laughing about how the dentist's name was Spalding. I just remember thinking how weird at first it is to sort of have that as like your as like a friend like Wilson you know I was like I, the first time I watched this I, I like kind of didn't really buy it but now I get it like don't you know I mean I'm like you know 20 years older or whatever since so the last time I saw this I don't know wait did we all see this like basically when it came out and not since then 
Yeah. yeah, I saw it on VHS, like when it, or maybe it was like one of the first DVDs I rented. Or so we have yeah. like sixty years of not having seen this between the three of us. <laughs> cool. All right, sorry. Go, go, go ahead, Mike. I was just like, wait a minute, we all have the same experience with this movie. And to me, it feels like it could have been made exactly the same yesterday. Like yeah. that's what's so yeah, wild much. about it. But just like the whole thing with Wilson the first time, I was like, well, it just seems like kitschy and like uh, like the product placement of it jumped out at me. But this time, maybe I just am more. I've like seen more movies about people maroon play. You mentioned. Uh, the martian and stuff like that but like he didn't really lose his mind he kind of had people to talk to but like i get it you know like this works so much better for me the second time around talking to wilson like painting his face and again and like giving him hair and like when he like kicked him by instinct because he's like a volleyball and then he's like ah wilson and he's like look i was like yes fucking find wilson gotta find him i do want to share if, if you learn one thing from this podcast i look i looked this up because i knew that i knew the word a long time ago but i forgot that the word pareidolia is the science behind seeing faces in everyday objects. So basically, ah. it's just, you know, it's a blood smear on a volleyball, but because there's the little air nozzle as a nose, he sees the face there. So pareidolia, P-A-R-E-I-D-O-L-I-A. So take that to the bank. I actually have a, uh, a series of photographs I call pareidolia. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, and it could have been way worse, right? Like, he could have been talking to that decomposing uh, pilot, right, for four years or something. Like, that's what my mind goes to. Is like, he didn't dig that guy up. And then we would have gotten Swiss Army Man 20 years early. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first fart makes you laugh. The last fart makes you cry. <laughs> so, Mike, I mentioned that my least favorite part is just sort of the unfinished nature or the overfinished nature of the last 40 minutes. Is that your least favorite part, too? Is there something about this that you didn't like more than that? Yeah, no. Like I was saying earlier about maybe splitting up more time on the island and less time outside or vice versa. Yeah, pretty, pretty much just how they uh, how they manage sort of the running time of this and, and sequence some of it. But like, you know, none of, none of that ruins the movie for me or anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, like I wish we'd maybe if we hadn't checked in on him sort of two years later, like I wish we did sort of explore more stuff when he got home. So maybe just like the lack of stuff when he got home, you know, flesh this fucker out, man. Make it three hours, make it 315. Like it's castaway. Like the guys on a deserted island, like make us feel it. And like most of the movie takes place there and I do feel it. But like, yeah, I'm just saying, you know, do it up. Because I made a few notes of the timestamps of when things happen. And I was like, so, okay, so an hour nine or an hour 19 in the four years later and then literally less than half an hour later 29 minutes later it's then four weeks later he's shaved like he's already rescued like in half an hour we get that whole like final like that what should be this like massive but i guess that's like i guess that's their way of saying like he's gotten to a point where it would be it would be boring to watch him survive because he's good at it and he feels like depressed maybe but maybe not i don't, I don't think know. so like making the rope i mean i mean we don't have to see him make rope for an hour you know that's one of several things we could have done but like it's very interesting when he goes to get the rest of the rope and you find out he tried to kill himself a year or so ago and yeah. and like that's the stuff i'm you know we haven't checked in on when he like really really lost it and like we're just sort of seeing him get it back come back together again. although him making a rope for an hour is a great way to keep the cost down on our tv show it's a nice model <laughs> episode him just one scene him in the cave just him making rope for an hour just you know no budget at all wonderful and there's a fly in there exactly I can't wait till we all pitch this to Netflix. It's yeah, awesome. man. And I also do want to say that that scene where he reels up the rope on the noose and he brings up the wooden, sort of looks like a crucifix. And I was like, oh no, that's a person. That's even darker. Mm -hmm. Apparently that scene is not in certain cuts of this movie that when it first hit home video, they took that out. 
Really? The trivia on IMDb was weird, but it was like so upvoted that I felt like it had to be true. But I think it was in theaters, I think. But then like when it first hit VHS and maybe the first cut on DVD didn't have that. And they obviously added that back in. But I was like, that's a weird because I was like, this is really dark, but it also fits. I read that they showed him making it and testing it out. And then they cut that part. So it was oh, a surprise. OK, that also would make sense. OK, interesting. I, I got to see it because I rented this, you know, like on Amazon. So I got whatever the most current version is. But I I wonder if like Larson has a VHS copy. I gotta ask him about, it. or if like my brother-in-law has like a DVD. I'm or sure something. you get it for a dollar on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it would be just like a fun investigation to be like, hey, you can pull off that uh, copy of Castaway and see if yeah. there's this missing scene or whatnot. Yeah. Love the collector. Zach, what about you? What is your least favorite part? Is there something that we haven't said yet that you don't like, or is it something that we've been talking about that's your least favorite part of this movie? I mean, not really. I mean, I don't like that he moves on so quick, or like seems, or I guess word of Hanks is that he moves on so quickly afterwards. <laughs> but that's not technically in the movie. I don't like that he doesn't open that package. I think I think the idea of like having to deliver that one package is like silly. I don't know. Like, I know he's... A consummate worker but like come on yeah, you, you open the rest of them it, yeah <laughs> what because there's angel wings on it oh it's a little strange to have like symbolism in a movie kind of mostly devoid of it like in a lot of ways and not in a bad way i don't mean that like in a bad way but i there's not a lot of stuff in here that makes me sort of you know ponder like that right like that's such a it feels like such a left turn for the rest of the film i kind of even am in line with you zach like just either open it or don't have it well that that said i mean that said if, it, if they if he just opened it then and it wasn't like life-saving I, I'm, I guess i'm only just frustrated because i know or feel like it would be a, a something useful but i you know if they didn't have that symbolism it would just be that he opened all the packages you know it would be missing yeah. a certain element he would have no reason to go to uh texas at the end i, I get it it's just it's just frustrating that's yeah. just me being frustrated which is i think the point i mean <laughs> there's definitely like a part of of the film that's trying to frustrate you with that yeah mike this is a movie where tom hanks dies i mean he doesn't really die but uh, the tom hanks character has a funeral right so that's a new oh yeah it's presumed dead little wrinkle it's more of a cruise thing than a hanks thing but definitely something here some other trivia about this they wrote lines of dialogue for wilson to have him have a conversation like a more natural conversation which i think is kind of cool oh okay uh they sold one of the volleyballs i think they had three different wilsons one sold for eighteen thousand four hundred dollars whoa from like that extra six six hundred dollars was just too much a bridge too far i guess so or maybe you could just look at it like glass half full is like it was four hundred dollars more than just a mere eighteen thousand hanks said he got the idea this might have been hanks's idea because he said he got an, got the idea from the movie after reading an article about fedex and he wondered what if one of the planes goes down across like them flying what? across the pacific three times a day okay was he ep on this does he have that much free time to <laughs> No, but he did. This is a Playtone picture. Oh, it's got a kind of like a um, Joe versus the volcano moment when he's surviving on the raft, I guess. Like a drifted sea. It's not four suitcases, but it's close. Interesting. They had to redo almost all the sound from the island, which is about an hour and a half of screen time because the surf just basically ruined all of the sound that they had captured, which is that's a, that's a bummer. But that's like, that's what they recreated. Like, that's the point is like you get driven, like they must get driven mad from that surf just all day long, 24-7 hmm. like that. Like, I thought that was sort of part of the sound. Of I don't know, but. 
but the dialogue they had to ADR all the dialogue is what he's saying I think oh I see I see and maybe like some of the more sort of subtle noises of like coconut noises yeah yeah oh the only thing I want to make sure that I say here and this is something that would really have annoyed me is the trailer for this movie showed him escaping the island no it did and they asked Robert Zemeckis because what lies beneath the movie that they shot in between the beginning and the end of this uh, sort of also showed major plot twists in that movie and he said that we know this is a quote we know from studying the marketing of movies people really want to know exactly everything they're going to see before they go to a movie it's just one of those things huh. to me being a movie lover and a film student a film scholar and a director I don't he says what I related to is McDonald's the reason McDonald's is a tremendous success is that you don't have any surprises you know exactly what it's going to taste like everybody knows the menu yeah. but to that like that's just bullshit like just stop it just don't do that yeah if he says he knows better then why did he not do that I don't know I don't know that said, maybe like Fight Club could have been saved in theaters if they had done just that. I don't know. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have that like wonderful story that like Brad Pitt has told about or Edward Norton has told or both of them told about them like getting real high and like watching like a public screening and the entire crowd like hating the movie and them just thinking it was the funniest thing in the world that like <laughs> no one got this movie that they both, you know, would obviously go on to be, you know, well regarded for. But it's just, yeah. They, uh, that's a great audio commentary. Them and Fincher. Do they have one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts about Castaway before we uh, play a couple of quick games and nominate this for some awards? I forgot that I, I I did forgot what happened at the end with Helen Hunt. I I was and I, for a sec I thought he was going to get her back. And I was just like, this is like the greatest dibs that were ever called. And I was just like, this is like, what is happening here? I was very worried they were not going to be able to resolve a knot that that Gordian. So uh, I'm glad it, 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 they did a pretty good job honoring the complexity, which I thought was great. Yeah, I remember the opening sequence to be way different. So I, I was expecting the package to go through this like sort of Lord of War bullet yeah. sort of sequence, you know, and it doesn't. Wait, Zach, were you on our Lord of War episode? Oh, yes, I was. I hate that movie. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? And it like starts and I'm like, oh, here we go. The journey yeah. of the... Oh, shit. Like... <laughs> Damn it. I, I've totally misremembered. They went through all the trouble of doing a snorri cam and everything. Yeah, that's one thing I totally misremembered. I was I was like really psyched for that, but yeah, it's not there. <laughs> oh well, alas. Oh, and then of course, and you know, I mentioned the line when you first uh did the plot summary, but the good luck cowboy, Tom Hanks known for playing Woody. So very important. She, he's always a cowboy, no matter what movies he's in, he's always a cowboy. All right. He's really more of a sheriff, you know? Yeah. Sure, cowboy. Cowboy style. <laughs> All right. The other Tom, if Tom Cruise was cast in the role of Chuck Noland, do you think Tom Cruise could play the Tom Hanks part in this movie? Or if not, what role could he play? Wilson the volleyball? Like, there's no other <laughs> There's no other part for him in this movie. Like, I don't think that he could really play the Nick Searcy role because I think it's like an elder mentor kind of guy. But so I guess the big question is, can Tom Cruise play man alone on screen for 90 minutes? Oh, totally. I, I think he'd be amazing. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I would love to see that movie. Like, I mean, it, it would be a little different, right? Like, He'd bring a furor to it. He'd be like, he'd be a little bit more crazy. You know, there, I was reading in the trivia that apparently there's a version of this that, that Tom Hanks' character had like a, a good and a bad version of him that he was talking to on the island. Oh, kind of like a Smeagol situation going on? 
Yes, exactly. And I'm like, I could see Tom Cruise doing that version really well. I could see him going like a little bit more crazy. I almost would not have even minded that at some point in this movie. Maybe it could have gotten me there. But yeah, I, I would love to see Tom Cruise on a deserted island for two hours or whatever it takes. And yeah, and, and doing that gap too, where we see like him out of shape and then him just like, well, who never, that would have to be makeup, you know, like <laughs> who knows? But like, yeah, it would be great. I'd love to have seen that. But I mean, and like, like all that MacGyvering stuff is like very on brand for him too. I think he would have made the fire on night one, maybe. As well. <laughs> yeah, but that's about it. <laughs> so now, follow the question: Does Tom Hanks do anything in this movie? We change the question slightly to make you think that he's no longer America's dad. I feel like no. I mean, he's a he's a he's a father to Wilson, basically a friend and a father, right? Man, yeah. I mean, yeah, he even tries to steal someone's kid, you know, at the end. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> if, he, if he got telling him, no, he doesn't. He he stopped. He he makes sure a child at the end does not lose a mother. That's <laughs> that's a very good dad choice. Yeah, he did not break up a family at the yeah. end of this movie. And I thought it was, he was adorable with the little boy and, and the Russian boy, where he gave him like a Walkman and a Snickers bar or whatever for delivering the package and stuff. And you know, shows some good survival skills, level-headedness, things like, like that. So yeah, you know. I'm not so sure when he gets back what kind of... I mean, you know, again, like he doesn't... When he gets back, he doesn't break up the family. So at least we know he's in like a positive state of mind, right? He's not being destructive or anything like that. So yeah, he's actually able to like go out there, get lost, come back to civilization and and pretty much keep it together. Yeah. Yeah, he's very family friendly. Cool. So now the only thing we have to do here left is awards. Best film, I will say yes. I don't know if this is going to... Like, I think that this is on the cusp. I think it's more of a great performance than a great movie. But I do want to put it there Mm -hmm. and then we can always come back to it at the end when we move this list from whatever's going to be like 15 or whatever down to 5 or 10 and whatever we decide on. I also do want to say, Mike, that you mentioned you're getting Lost vibes. I was also getting flashes forward, speaking of Lost, (laughs) to both a little bit to Captain Phillips, especially at the end. In mm. kind of coming back to reality and also a little bit in ways to the the far 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 future in cloud atlas oh the true true yeah the true true <laughs> yeah absolutely but i do want to say here best film castaway we'll put that there for now best hank's role for sure oh yeah 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 oh, yeah because you know role performance whatever right i yeah. mean like i i mean what 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 recently i mean this is the kind of stuff that like christian bale does now right but like no one is really doing this kind of work so much and like i feel like you know this kind of total body transformation thing you know it's like regulated to guys like de niro and stuff so it was really great to see someone who i like almost against type but yet the perfect type i don't know mm-hmm. it was cool I, he went through a total transformation he looked good by the end too man dad bod <laughs> <laughs> best ensemble no best fight no best dancing i would like to see him and wilson dance they do not dance best party scene no when there's like the welcome home party but it's whatever so this isn't a best dance but when he goes to see helen hunt in the beginning and kind of like sneaks into her office and she's making copies they just sort of start to hug and then they slowly start to sway and then it becomes like a dance and it goes in rhythm to the copy machine it was like the photocopy machine was like the beat of their i didn't catch that and stuff so that was nice but very nice i don't think it went on long enough to be like you know it's not like Pulp Fiction. It's not the twist. In that. Right. <laughs> best party scene? No. Best outfit? Wardrobe? Yeah. Totally. I mean, I think you could probably include. It's unique, but like loincloth. Is that what you would call it, though? All right, fine. I'll say loincloth. I'll say loincloth. Best death. He does not die. Or we could do, we could do the asterisk. Um, it's, it's a real Tom Sawyer situation, right? I mean, he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't show up as a, at his own funeral, but like presumed dead. Character buried. Best line, I don't think it's going to be a line, but best freak out for sure. It's just got to be Wilson! 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Best soundtrack theme score, I'm going to say yes, just for the way that they implemented it, because I think that was really great. Best or worst love story? Hanks and Wilson? Hanks and Helen. What about, yeah, Hanks and Hunt? I don't think that, I don't think we see enough of that. I think that they're like, I think early on in the movie, it just seems like they're they're serious, but they're not that serious because there's the jokes at the Christmas dinner, like when you can make it, like it just feels like they are mm-hmm. in it, but like they're not, like we don't get enough time with them alone. And then he proposes essentially, and then he comes back and like they can't be together. Like it's almost like the great best Hanks lost love story, right? Which is not like not a category. All right. Okay. Best non-Hanks actor, male or female. Again, I don't know that there's anybody who has the screen time. Can we nominate an inanimate object? Like <laughs> Wilson actually nominatable? Well, we have B. Easily the dog as Hooch and Turner and Hooch. Do you want to nominate? But he's not like an inanimate object. It's not like a. But he's the closest thing we have so far. Yes, he's he's an animal. Also, Wilson is played by Steve Buscemi, doing an incredible job. <laughs> so we have six nominations: best film, best role, best outfit, wardrobe, best death, quote unquote, best death, best freakout, and best soundtrack theme score. So pretty good for the Woodies. Six nominations so far for Castaway. All right, Mike. Next movie. We talked about All it a right. couple times recently. We've got Road to Perdition. Finally, the foodie films man himself, Kyle Ryan, for you can get off your back <laughs> as you will finally have seen this movie. We're going to talk about it with him and another guest. Nice. Weeks, but between now and then, we've got another Mission Impossible movie, uh, Ghost Protocol. Spoiler: We have already watched and recorded that, and uh, maybe Tom Cruise's best movie? Question mark. At least so far. But Zach, thank you so much for joining us. Speaking of Mission Impossible, you will be on at least one Mission Impossible movie coming up on the other feed. But thank you for stopping by, and I'm so glad that we could give you a good movie for once. Hell yeah! Hey, we had Toy Story. We've been good. Oh yeah, you did. Oh, this has been this has been good lately. I feel like yeah. for a while you did not have a good run with us, but uh, you know things are turning around. It's all worth it. For the yards. <laughs> the yards, the minor masterpiece. Minor masterpiece. Minor masterpiece, the yards. There's anywhere that you want people to go for your art. You mentioned the, the pictures earlier. Anywhere you want people to check you out online. Yeah, just my Instagram, Zach Design, at Zach Design, Z A C K D E Z O N. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you back soon. Your next one, I think, is going to be The Terminal before too long in about four movies. So coming up soon. Oh, sweet. I forgot I was in that. I, I like that one too, I hope. I've never seen it. I don't know. It's trapped in an airport, right? That's, that's yeah. all I know. Yep. So cool. But for all things, thanks for the memories. You can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, hanks at cageclub.me. Come back next week on our Cruise Club feed for Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol and come back in two weeks for Road to Perdition and go check out cageclub.me slash shows for all nearly 1,500 episodes of the podcast that we've put out so far, including a brand new episode, brand new-ish, relatively-ish, a couple, uh, you know, a week or two ago of Cage Club and of Viva Pod Vegas. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Zach Dazan, and we'll see you next time right here on Hanks for the Memories. Mm-hmm.